Welcome to the RSP Cast. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. This week, we're going to talk about how to use fantasy projections. And this is inspired by Jacob, who's a longtime reader and listener, um, who asked me about Rashad Bateman yesterday. Um, he, he was wondering about what I had down for his dynasty projections. And if you didn't know, I sent out the first update of those projections. They're available at $24.95 at mattwaldman.com. So we're going to use some of the things that I include in these projections to talk about Bateman um, and give you an idea of what I think about Bateman, why I do, and why projections are an important part of that to close the loop on more than just talent assessment. So again, if you didn't know, the, the rankings and projection services available for $24.95 at mattwaldman.com. I began the service last year. It's a great companion service to the pre-draft, post-draft guides that are available for $21.95. I mean, talk about going deep. Guys, you get statistical projections for every offensive skill player expected to be on each roster, and these projections are grouped by team and include touch percentages that are broken out um, based on pass versus run, give you total fantasy points. Each team has two years of historical stats broken out by position group as well as total team versus um, run versus pass percentages. And I'm going to talk about that in relation to Rashad Bateman and his projection and explain, explain to you why that's so valuable. Um, in addition to the 2022 projections, you also get an early look at 2023 for players that I believe will remain on each roster next year. These dynasty rankings also include um, your normal you know, linear rankings list, and I give you two to three sentences of comments for each of the 300 to 400 players that are ranked depending on the, the type of rankings you're accessing because there's two sets of rankings that I do. One for win-now builds and one that have a one- to three-year outlook and one for long builds with more of a three- to five-year outlook. Each of them, you get their own list ranking and then a cheat sheet-style ranking that's tiered, color-coded, and allows you to see across positions. Um, and I give you notations with each with a lot of these players too, and I give you a key that kind of notes what I'm saying about these guys. So I take a little bit from my film study with the RSP, and I try and you know kind of um, put all that into like a you know a, a small notation. And so I, I'll note things like whether they have high upside but need work, whether they're more of a boom bust type of player whether they have off-field issues you need to be concerned about, whether I think their sleepers are underrated, um, as well as players that I think need to be schemed heavily to get a lot of their production versus players who can create outside of the scheme or in difficult situations. And I give um, explanations about that for each position in this particular um, update so that you understand what that means, scheme player versus matchup player. Now, this product is updated multiple times throughout the year. It gives you a great compendium to the in-depth scouting reports that I deliver for the rookie classes um, you know, that you get with the 2195 product. So essentially, if you got both of these for $46.90, you're getting about $150 to $200 worth of value. I mean, that's, that's from my readers who tell me they would pay, you know, they would pay double to triple the amount just for the RSP pre-draft, post-draft guides. So again, you can go to mattwaldman.com to purchase the projection service. And within 24 hours of your purchase, I'll email you a link and password 
to access that first update to the Projections Dynasty rankings. And then subsequent updates are going to be emailed to you with a different link and password each time. Now, if you just want to buy the pre-draft, post-draft guides, which you know is my flagship service for $21.95, those are available immediately for download upon purchase at mattwaltman.com. Um, with and you you create the password and 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 login for that service. So as many of you know, the RSP has donated over fifty thousand dollars to Darkness to Light, an organization devoted to training adults on how to prevent sexual abuse of children, as well as how to address the event when it's reported, so we can protect children from additional trauma that often occurs with the mishandling of these cases. So you can learn more about this great organization at d2l.org. Okay, so let's get into depth on how to use fantasy projections. Most of you won't do your own projections, and I understand why. I mean, it's a time-consuming process. I took some years off of doing projections for a while. Um, it just requires examining a lot of information. But it's important as a user of projections to understand how to optimize them for your purposes. So we're going to use the RSP projections as an example, but you can apply this information to other projection services out there or at least use it as a way to shop around and help you determine if those projections are rooted in enough context for you to use them for your purposes. Because again, projections and scouting reports and rankings are all guides. You're ultimately the person who's going to make the decision. So I'm trying to give you some um, context that will help you make good decisions and go deep with doing that. So here are some quick things that I think worthwhile projections do as a practice. And this is something that Dwayne McFarland and I have talked about in our um, projection series over the years that we do here at this cat RSP cast over the years. And Dwayne's doing great work over at Pro Football Focus. Now, the, the projections need to match. I think that people who do good projections match the total passing yardage of quarterbacks with total receiving yardage. You want to be able to see that they marry those up. Otherwise, sometimes people can get carried away and have easy errors where they're projecting way more from a receiver than what the actual totals are going to be for the passing game. And so it's good to make sure that their receivers, tight ends, running backs, that the receiving yardage is aligned with the total passing yardage of the quarterbacks. Um, good projections also show you the percentage split between run and pass and give you at least two years of historical splits of this type so you can see if the projections deviate greatly from the recent team history. For instance, I mean, you, you know, you need to be able to see you need to be able to see what these teams have done before and I'll get into that in a moment, but some of these efficiency and volume stats that you want to see for each position for quarterbacks, you want to see yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempt, interceptions per attempt because you want to see the percentage because if someone's noting that a guy's going to throw for 10, you know, 10% of his attempts are going to be touchdowns and they've got four or five quarterbacks at that kind of a rate, then their projections are unrealistic historically. I'm grossly so considering that most the best quarterbacks are in the 7% range oftentimes, not 10%. So things like that matter. Running backs, yards per carry, even if it's not a great stat for determining value of a player, it does help you understand maybe the efficiency of what the offense has been looking at in terms of the run game. Touchdowns per attempt for running backs, targets, yards per reception, efficiency and volume. Same for wide receivers and tight ends. Yards per catch, targets, catch percentage, yards per reception, TDs per reception. If you understand the receiver's game, you're going to do a pretty good job of being able to 
get a good idea of their catch percentage. And touch percentages also need to be broken out by run versus pass for each player. This information is going to help you understand whether the projections are intentionally or unintentionally deviating from recent history. Now, the casual may, viewer may think NFL offenses are drastically different in nature, but the projections are going to show you that historically this isn't really the case. Year-to-year, -year, production, production rarely has dramatic changes. And the information that I mentioned above is going to help you you know, see if the entity delivering the projections is seeing the NFL clearly on a macro level. If they don't understand on a macro level that offenses are very similar with few exceptions, that production from year to year is pretty similar, then they're really not, then it's going to be hard for them, for you to get an understanding of whether they have a good idea of when they're really planting a flag and making a dramatic um, deviation from the norm and if it's rooted in lo logic. So this is important in, um, to know all this information because there's a difference between valuing the skills of an individual player and projecting that player's role in production in his offense. Let me repeat that. It's important to understand projections because there's a difference between valuing the skills of an individual player and projecting that player's role and production in his offense. And Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman is a great example. Jacob, who's, a like I mentioned, a longtime reader and listener, asked me about Bateman yesterday on Twitter after he saw took a first look at the projections updates that I sent out. He looped in Matt Harmon's assessment of Bateman as a talent with a lot of qualities similar to Keenan Allen and Justin Jefferson. He wanted me to explain why Bateman was at the top of my third tier of receivers in win-now dynasty formats um, because he was comparing my assessment with Bateman statistically versus Harmon's look at Bateman's route running and touting Bateman as a breakout player. So I thought this was a great way to discuss how to use projections. Now, first, I don't know how Harmon defines a breakout player. Statistically, this could, for him, it could be a total of fantasy points or yardage. I bet that's what it would be. And for my, to give you a um, reference, I have Bateman earning 60 catches for 800 yards and eight touchdowns this year. That's my projection as of June. To me, that's in range of breakout material. Now, it's not elite production by any stretch of the imagination, but if elite production is what's required for a breakout, then few players ever do it, and we're misunderstanding what a breakout really is. I would bet, regardless of what Harmon is actually projecting for Bateman statistically, that Harmon's minimum for a breakout is close to mine, and that's fantasy starter production. Well, most leagues start three to four receivers these days, sometimes five. And in PPR formats this year, Bateman's projected production has him ranked as my 29th receiver. That's a mid-range wide receiver three, clearly a fantasy starter in most formats. And to me, that's a breakout performance considering that he was 80th in PPR as a rookie with 46 catches, 515 yards, and one score in 2021 with only 12 games played. So that's one very important piece of context. What is a breakout? How do you define that? And the next is why I had the numbers for Bateman that I do. And 
This is how projections can help you understand the process behind a ranking. Ranking and projections can be different. You may rank a player higher than his projection because you may think he has more upside potential. So, for instance, you may have players in the same tier where, say, you have Bateman at 800 yards, you have Devonta Smith at 850 yards, you have Amon Ross St. Brown at 950 yards. Say that, you know, I'm just throwing out players, okay? And say that's what you have them in, and Bateman's the lowest of those three. But if you, they're all close enough together that if you believe Bateman has more upside or more potential to reach 1,200, 1,300 yards or to reach 10 touchdowns as opposed to six to eight touchdowns, then you may rank him higher than you've projected him. So that's something to keep in mind too. Um, now with, you know, as Jacob mentioned, he said Harmon noted Bateman, Allen, and Jefferson having some comparable skills. And I don't disagree with that at all. Those of you who purchased the 21, 2021 Rookie Scouting Portfolio pre-draft, post-draft, again, the, the, those are available for $21.95, and past issues are available for $9.95 if you want to get the past RSP to see what I thought of Bateman and see that in-depth scouting report. Well, Bateman was my third-ranked receiver pre-draft, only behind Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell, and with an excellent score of 88. That's an immediate starter score and would be a top-ranked receiver score in many draft classes that I've seen. So my comparison for Bateman, well, similar to Harmon. It was a mix of Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen at the top of the range. And if Bateman flat-out failed, I saw Cordero Patterson when Patterson was a receiver as his worst case scenario. And I didn't think he was going to hit that worst case scenario. Bateman's a terrific route runner and receiver in the middle of the field with open field skills. And he's also a ferocious player at the catch point, much like Thomas while having great open field vision like Patterson. Um, and this fits well with what Baltimore likes to do, which is throwing the ball in the middle of the field, which is why Bateman is indeed projected in my service as the leading wide receiver in the offense this year. Now, I didn't say leading receiver. I said leading wide receiver. And we're going to get to more of that in a moment, as you would imagine. So when you bring up players like Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen, you know, your audience often presumes those on-field comparisons of their skills, their route running, their ability to catch, their open field skills, somehow is going to carry over at a close to one-to-one -one ratio to ultimate statistical performance. And I know analysts don't think about it that way, but readers and listeners can. And this is not always the case. Readers can kind of mislead themselves as a result of this. So it, my advice is it's better to separate skills of what the player can do from what you expect them to do in terms of production, because the factors that are that aren't in the player's control is the type of the, the style of the offense and the surrounding talent, especially the supporting talent. And for a wide receiver, the wide receiver's supporting talent is the offensive line's ability to provide them protection. And as you know, the Ravens offensive line was banged up last year and struggling and they're dependent on their quarterback. Um, and we're going to talk about the quarterback and offensive line and their ability to maximize his potential. First, though, let's compare some of the, the players they talked about. 
Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, over the past two years, has averaged 98 receptions, 1,508 yards, and 8.5 touchdowns during his first two years. That's top five production material. That's not just breakout material. That's elite production. Allen, Keenan Allen, he's averaged over 100 receptions, 1,050 yards, and close to seven touchdowns during the past three seasons. That's mid-tier wide receiver two fantasy value as an average. And Minnesota and the Chargers' offenses are much different than Baltimore's. And this, again, is where the we're looking at pro- projections. I just gave you, you know, multiple years of projections from players that you're going to try and compare Bateman to. Now I'm going to give you the team's offenses. Minnesota, over the past two years, threw the ball an average of 51.7% of the time. Their receivers, this is all included in the RSP projection service. Their receivers earned 60.5% of the touches in the passing game. So 51% throwing the ball, 60.5% of those touches came to wide receivers. LA threw the ball 59.5% of the time during the past two years. Receivers earned 56.3% of the touches. Both teams not only spread the field more often, but they have quarterbacks who are skilled at perimeter targets, timing route targets that require a low trajectory throw with velocity on the ball. This is not Lamar Jackson's strength. And as you know, I rated Lamar Jackson highly. I saw him as a legit starting franchise caliber quarterback, and he is, but it was never his strength. And the Ravens use his skills as a runner uh, especially on the perimeter where he often goes untouched and out of bounds for big gains. They use those plays as compensation for the types of targets he doesn't throw very often because he doesn't have the velocity to throw them. Jackson and Deshaun Watson are both this way, and they've both had a lot of success because they excel from the pocket. They throw deep off play action with good accuracy. They have good middle of the field accuracy to layer throws, and they find the second or third read, and they can create with their legs. Okay, So there's some compensatory factors at work there. And when you're scouting players, you want to be mindful that there are you can have compensatory factors at work if, you're, if your team is willing to implement them, and they were with Watson and Jackson. Now, Baltimore, compared to Minnesota and L.A., who threw the ball 51% of the time and 59.5% of the time, Baltimore threw the ball only 48.8% of the time during the past two years. So you're talking about between 3 and 12% lower overall from those two teams. And I want to point something out. That 48.8% average of throwing the ball the past two years included 2021's injury-riddled disaster year where they didn't have either of their top two backs. They were they they didn't really ha- they kept bringing in old guys. Their their offensive line was decimated and Jackson had little time to throw. Baltimore actually threw the ball 54.3% of the time in 2021. But in 2020, which is far more indicative of what they want to do when and, and when they're healthy, what they will do, they only threw the ball 42.3% of the time. So really, 
if you're going to compare L.A. and Minnesota at 59% and 51% throw, you really should be comparing it closer to Baltimore's 42% of the time throwing the ball, which is more of a, you know, you're looking now at 9 to 17% less. That's a massive difference. And, and Baltimore's receivers accounted for 58% of the passing distribution over this two-year period. But when 58% of a run-heavy offense is, you know, when you count for, if they're going to get 58% of the, the, the targets, but they're in a run-heavy offense, you know, that's still a lot less than a pass-heavy offense that's only getting 55 to 60%. You know, so again, Baltimore throws the ball a lot less, and you have to remember that. And that's why it's important to look at the projections and look at projections that give you historical data so that you understand the context of where this player fits. No matter how talented they are, how are they going to be used? And how often are they going to be used? So with Bateman, you have to remember that Baltimore throws the ball a lot less when they do throw the range of routes that receivers are targeted on, especially wide receivers, is narrower than what you're going to see with receivers in Minnesota and L.A. Because when they, they have quarterbacks who can throw the ball with velocity on these perimeter timing routes. So when you narrow the range of routes that a receiver runs, you also narrow the opportunities when compared to equally talented players in a system that opens the entire route tree to them. And this is a great example as to why looking at run-pass percentages and historical stats matter. Unless you're betting that the Ravens are dramatically changing the offense and Lamar Jackson is going to do something he's never been able to do, which is throw the ball with perimeter velocity in the intermediate and deep ranges of the field. I'm talking low-trajectory throws, not the high-arcing you know, go routes or corner routes or deep crossing routes. He does that very well. I'm talking about routes that even Matt Ryan with his level of arm strength, which is a minimum requirement for most quarterbacks when teams are looking for a guy who plays out of the pocket and can't run. Lamar Jackson plays out of the pocket great, but he can. He runs better than anybody in the league. So, Ryan, even with his arm still kind of flagging, he still can hit the deep out, the deep comeback. Those aren't routes you see often with Jackson. And when he does throw them, the accuracy isn't as good as many of his peers. So that's important to note. The average receiving totals is also important. That's something I show in the RSP projections and dynasty rankings. The average receiving totals for the Ravens receiving core the past two years 277 and a half targets, 176 and a half catches, 2,074 and a half yards, and 13 and a half touchdowns. Now that's a lot less than the Vikings average. The Vikings had 325 targets to the Ravens, 277 and a half. They had 218 catches compared to the Ravens, 176 catches. And 2948, 2,948 yards, that which is almost 900 yards more than the Ravens the past two years. They also have double the amount of TDs on average, 26 to the Ravens, 13 or 13 and a half. The Chargers, <laughs> even worse. Chargers are 300, they have 357 targets compared to the Ravens, 277. 
227 catches, almost f- over 50 more than what the Ravens were averaging at in their receiving core. 2,951 yards, again, almost 900 yards more in, re- in receiving yards, and 20 and a half touchdowns compared to 13 and a half touchdowns. So again, if I'm going to project Bateman to earn, say, Justin Jefferson's average two-year value, if I'm thinking he's going to have that kind of breakout year, and I just love his potential to be that, then based on the Ravens' history, I'm going to have him accounting for over half the Ravens' two-year average totals that come for the entire receiving core. He's going to account for that. Now, that might happen. That could possibly happen. But possible and probable are different. And to me, it's it's closer to the end of not making any sense unless they pass a lot more. Now, while not as dramatic of an example, the same is true if you use the Chargers as a point of comparison. Um, the only reasonable argument for Bateman in that context is if, if, if based on recent history of what we see with the Ravens, if he and Mark Andrews switch roles in terms of targets and production, because Andrews earned 107 receptions, 1,361 yards, and nine touchdowns in 2021. And that was likely inflated by Baltimore's unusual increase in passing based on the injuries to their line and their running backs that rendered the the bread and butter of what they wanted to do ineffective. Otherwise, if we're going to look at 2020 as the guide, we're probably going to expect more to 700 to maybe 900 yards from Andrews. That's his two-year range prior to last year's injury-riddled debacle that forced him to throw. Now, it's possible we could see the switch, but Marquise Brown, who had 1,008 yards last year and six scores, only had 769 yards and eight scores when the Ravens were offensively doing what they wanted to do, when they were far better and running the ball well. And remember, Jackson was one of the better fantasy quarterbacks at that time, even though his wide receivers did, you know, his leading wide receivers had fewer yardage because he was far more efficient. And you're going to be able to do that when you have a good running game. So as you can see, talent's only part of the equation. Usage, the skills of the supporting talent, you know, offensive line and quarterback, the history of the offense, an offense that isn't expected to make a significant change. These are all important factors. So unless the tight end position suffers injuries, the running game falters, then you should look for Bateman to be within range of his predecessors at the position in Baltimore when Jackson's at the helm. And that's 750 to 850 yards, seven to eight scores. And as a reminder, I have Bateman as wide receiver 29 this year with 60 catches, 800 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, I hope this helps with projections. You know, to me, if you understand the offense, a recent history statistically of the offense, the supporting players and and project within those ranges. Um, and this is going to help you. Unless you decide to use a different team as a baseline for that team's projections based on them having a new coach and new system. But Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator. And while he plans on doing some different things, don't expect it to be dramatically different. Um, so, you know, again, talent 
which you can find in the RSP pre-draft, post-draft guide, the 2195 service, gives you as comprehensive an indication of opportunity based on talent that you're going to find in the fantasy space. I've been doing it since 2006, and you know people will attest it will blow you away the level of detail I go into studying film and doing it in a very, um, you know, in a very precise way in terms of defining things and giving you real criteria and process. The other factors, you know, that I'd mentioned, the offense, the history, the sporting players, um, those are going to give you a stronger idea of expected production. So again, you can get the RSP Dynasty Rankings and Projections Package for $24.95 at mountwaldman.com. And within 24 hours, I'll email you the access information to download it. And you can get the pre-draft and post-draft scouting reports for $21.95 at the same site. And they're available immediately with the password and login that you create when you make the payment. Thanks again for listening. You know, I hope this is helpful to you. Um, you know, in terms of giving you an example of a player and how you look at the data and also meld that in with maybe some film observations or understanding of what the player can do to come up with an outlook that's going to be reasonable when you're talking about projections. Thanks again. Have a good week.